Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, State Fair favorites, the Golden Gopher football season kicks off and Target Field turns its diamond into a gridiron for a special game. But first, problems this week for a Republican lawmaker who, because of an altercation at a hotel bar, got in trouble with the law and was also sanctioned by the Democratic leader of the Minnesota House. And more problems in the State Human Services Department this week, even as that beleaguered agency gets ready for Acting Commissioner Pam Wheelock handing over the reins to incoming Commissioner Jody Harpstead right after the Labor Day weekend. MNN's Bill Werner joins us for a recap. Scott, let's take the Human Services Department's problems first. The Pioneer Press reported this week the state must reimburse the federal government an estimated $48 million for improper payments to some chemical dependency treatment providers. And that is on top of the $25 million that the state overpaid to two Native American tribes. The feds also want that money back. Two Republican state representatives, Deborah Keel from Crookston, Nick Zerwas from Elk River, this week asked Governor Tim Walls for an independent outside audit of the State Human Services Department. A spokesman for a spokesman for Walls said this week the governor supports an independent audit of the a spokesman for Walls said this week the governor supports an independent audit of the whole department. We talked further to Republican Representative Keel about her request. You are calling for a, uh, a forensic investigation, basically an outside independent investigation of, of what, the whole Human Services Department operation or just sections of it? No, I think uh, the whole Department of Human Services. I mean, we're just this has been one thing after another, and so we need to know, are, are the funds going where they're supposed to? And uh, people, you know, it, it, we need to know exactly what's going on. And um, in the past, uh, we had problems with um, um, transportation and the uh, license, and I think we need to treat this the same way. I would assume that a complete audit of the whole department is a pretty expensive thing. Um, do you have any idea what it would cost? Or? No, I don't. And and I would agree that's, that's uh, probably going to be expensive, but we need to know where um, Minnesotans' tax dollars are actually going. Um, and sometimes, um, as I've learned on the farm, you spend a little bit of money to uh, really examine where things should be going. And it, we need to provide services to those who we have agreed to provide services to and not not where they're not supposed to be going. Um, uh, that's a big concern. And, and I think in the end, we, we will probably save ourselves uh, dollars and then we will know exactly what's going on. That's Republican Representative Deborah Keel from Crookston. Politically motivated, said Minnesota House Republicans this week, after Democratic Speaker Melissa Hortman removed Republican Representative Matt Grossel of Clearbrook from the Public Safety and Judiciary Committees, the result of an altercation that began at a hotel bar near the state capitol toward the end of the legislative session in early May. Police say Grossel, apparently intoxicated, scuffled with a security guard at the bar and was later arrested for trespassing at Regions Hospital, where he had been cleared after an evaluation but then refused to leave. But Speaker Hordman says what prompted her to remove Grossel from two key committees was what he allegedly said later to an officer at police headquarters, that he, Grossel, is a state representative and, quote, it will be hell to pay. 
The thing that makes this a different type of incident than the other incidents I reviewed of past uh, representatives' conduct is the um, assertion of the office and the connection of the assertion of the office with some consequence of a negative consequence to law enforcement. And that stands really apart in all of the past incidents involving members and alcohol and is consistent with um, those instances when uh, prior members have been removed from committees um, and encouraged to resign their position. Do you think it is appropriate for Representative Grissel to resign? That is a decision for him to make. The uh, minority leader, and I'm sure you're aware of his statement, he says, uh, and I'll just I'll quote from it, uh, he says uh, that removing a Minnesotan with more than 12 years of law enforcement experience who was shot on the line of duty and has suffered permanent health consequences, that it's the latest example of House Democrats' outright hostility for law enforcement. How do you respond to that? That is preposterous. I have the deepest respect for the service by all members of our law enforcement community. So I think that, you know, that's an unfortunate direction that Representative Doubt has has chosen to travel um, with regard to this matter. It gives me no joy to impose a sanction on Representative Grossel, but I think under the circumstances, he has passed a red line for conduct for state representatives. No one is above the law, and no one should assert that their status as an elected official entitles them to special treatment. The other thing that the minority leader brings up is um, the decision three months after this incident. Um, he says it's clearly politically motivated. And uh, why, why the delay, Madam Speaker, in actually bringing this action? Right. What I thought was important was to understand all of the facts in the situation and to let the criminal matter proceed and be resolved and addressed in the court system. So when I was asked about this immediately after it happened during the end of the legislative session, I said, let's wait until all the facts come out. And all of the facts were not available to ordinary members of the public like you and me until Representative Grossel's criminal matter was disposed of. And when the police reports became public, I asked attorneys for the House of Representatives to obtain those police reports, review them, um, provide them to me, and provide me a list of alternatives to respond to the situation that would be in keeping with past precedent. That's Minnesota House Speaker Democrat Melissa Hortman. Representative Grossel issued the following statement, quote, I have worked since the night of the incident to personally apologize to those involved, make amends, and complete the legal process. Despite Speaker Hortman's efforts to remove law enforcement voices from the Public Safety Committee, I will continue to focus on efforts to make our communities safer and support the men and women in law enforcement who put their lives on the line each day to protect Minnesotans. Unquote, Representative Matt Grossel. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. 
Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before, and we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're gonna be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woohoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Sadly, the great Minnesota get-together is winding down, and those great annual fair traditions are about to go away for another year, but not before we get to take a closer look at a couple fair favorites. Monty's Traveling Reptile Show has enjoyed a long run at the fair. Founder Monty Creason passed away last year, but his nephew Brian, who goes by two dogs, has kept things running or crawling, as the case may be. I caught up with two dogs, and of course, my first question was about his unique nickname. So my Uncle Monty, who started this Traveling Reptile Show over 40 years ago, he uh, bestowed that upon me. So you've been here for over 40 years. Uh, what can folks, folks expect to see in this particular exhibit? So at Monty's Traveling Reptile Show, we have on display over 40 live reptiles. Um, when you first come in, there's a couple large tortoises that the kids, big kids too, they can pet on top of the shell. Um, then you'll see like our eight-foot alligators, some of our 20-foot pythons, Gila monsters, rattlesnakes, green anaconda, different iguanas, um, just kind of a variety of reptiles. It sounds like a family business. How did you get interested and involved in this? Um, so Monty, my uncle, I just kind of started helping him out because it's always more fun to do somebody else's work than your own. And ter- turns out I liked it, so um, I kind of dove all the way in and kept doing it. Have you ever been bit? Absolutely. <laughs> How many times and by what? Um, not by anything venomous yet. That will happen just simply because I'm around them all the time. Sooner or later, I will be a guy and I will make a mistake and I'll pay for it. But, um, I mean, it's like anything else. You do it long enough, it's it's going to happen. You just you know what to do. And we're lucky here. HCMC has all the anti-venom we need, so... Just go ahead and go over there. They'll hook you up to an IV, and a few hours later, go home with a story. I mean, as long as you know what you're doing, it's, I mean, not that it's not serious, but it's, we're not dealing with stuff like Taipans where it's start to stop watching, you know, say your last words. We're talking painful and unpleasant, but... Well, we'll live to tell about it. What's your favorite reptile? Do you have a favorite? Usually whichever one bit me last. <laughs> you don't hold the grudge? No, no, no. It's it's rarely their fault. You know, it's usually, you know, you, you do something stupid or careless or, you know, it's, and it's not like it happens a lot. It, it just happens. It's yeah. part of it. How many folks do you get through the door each day? Um, it, well, it all depends on the crowd and everything, but um, I mean, we're only $3, so we're very family orientated. so we're we're about the cheapest thing you can get at the fairgrounds. So. Yeah, that, I noticed that coming in, too, and that's pretty good. How do you keep the prices so low? Um, the nice thing about reptiles is, you know, they're cold-blooded, so, you know, they're... They're not that expensive to maintain. Now, when you have over 100 of them that you take care of, yeah, the price goes up. But er everyone tells us, you know, we need to raise our prices. Like, you know, you get a family of four that comes to the fair. They're spending a lot of money just to get on the fairgrounds. And 
Like, yeah, we want your money. We just don't want all of it. We just yeah. want a little. So I'd rather have the family of four come in for $12 versus if we bumped it up to five dollars they're just going to send the two kids in mom and dad are going to stay outside and like no I, i'd rather have you all in here and you know i don't pro- probably should maybe business isn't my strong suit another staple of the state fair pronto pups they've been a part of the great minnesota get together since 1947 each year about 70 tons of batter are used to make pronto pups during the run of the fair Operations Manager Wayne Carnes says on any given day there are multiple figurative fires that need to be put out to make things run smoothly. Well, since the machines have been put up for the entire year, obviously when they go into full production at the very beginning of the fair, there's always some little glitches like the pilot lights go out, uh, thermostats go out, rheostats go out, things like that. So we uh, do a quick change, thermocouplers go out. We have to do a little quick fix and then it's up and running for the rest of the fair. What's the most fun part of the fair for you? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, the most fun part is actually coming back to meet friends. Uh, you make an acquaintance and relationships with all the other vendors, and it's always it's like a reunion. Put to rest this uh, competition that's been happening over the years. What's better, Pronto Pups or Corn Dogs? Which one is better, and why is it better? Well, first of all, the Pronto Pup is the original hot dog on a stick. And uh, there, I believe, approximately 15 competitors on the fairgrounds. And Pronto Pup is the Minnesota fairgoers' favorite. Hands down, we outsell all the other competitors combined. And uh, the Minnesota people are very traditional people. And I think that's what gives us the edge. Everything else, as far as I'm concerned, is an imitation. And how many people do you have working for you? At this commissary, we have uh, 24, I believe. And then there are seven additional stands throughout the fairgrounds who are managed by individual managers. And you've probably been eating Prano Pups for a long time. Uh, Do you ever think, uh, maybe I should try something else? Oh, I've tried the competitors. There's no question. I mean, you have to. You'd be foolish not to try the competitors' products. No, I'm uh, a cold beer and a Prano pup to me is like the ultimate state fair. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about the Prano pup? Well, it's not real. A lot of the corn dogs have a lot more sugar in them, and they have a sweeter taste to them. And actually, some of the, the kids will prefer that. But uh, ours are, are are not quite as sweet. I, they. They, uh, they, they appeal, I think, to a broader base of people. And has the recipe changed at all or been altered or updated throughout the years? It's, to my knowledge, no. Original no. recipe? The uh, trademark was patented in, I think, 1941. I might be off a year or two or that. But that's why Pronto Pups can lay claim to being the original hot dog on a stick because we have registration trademark proof that that's when the name, everyone else is just... Corn dogs now are a generic word for hot dogs on a stick. Pronto Pup is a name brand. It's hard to imagine that this would be the case, but if there's any person out there or anybody in our listening audience who hears this who hasn't had a Pronto Pup, what's your message to those folks? The biggest decision you'll have to make is do you want mustard or do you want ketchup? (laughs) The traditional is mustard, but to each his own. A special thank you to my guests, two guys who are helping keep state fair traditions alive, Brian Creason and Wayne Carnes. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Golden Gophers opened the season Thursday night at TCF Bank Stadium, and it wasn't all about touchdowns and field goals. MN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. While the game itself was the main draw, I have to tell you the debut of their new stadium food was also a hit. But before I get into that, let's recap how the Gophers managed to eclipse South Dakota State with a narrow 28-21 victory. Eminence Mike Grimm with the call that sealed the deal. They moved the ball to the one-and-a-half-yard line. Here is a give to Ibrahim. Left side, barrels his way, touchdown! Minnesota Golden Gophers behind Andres and Schluter. The Gophers get the touchdown, and they're back out front by five, and the two-point conversion attempt will be coming. So there you have it, game one in the books. The Gophers next head to Fresno State next Saturday, September 7th. Okay, now on to one of my favorite things, food. As I said earlier, Gopher Hospitality debuted their new menu. We're talking everything from a cheese curd burger to a foot-long mac and cheese dog, and of course, the kids' favorite, Hyper Cupcakes and Cookies. Joining me now is Chris Vokraka, General Manager for Gopher Hospitality. So Chris, where do you begin in creating a new menu from season to season? Uh, really, I think every year we just, you know, put our brains in the kitchen and we uh, start playing around with food. It's probably one of our funner Fridays that we have uh, a couple times a month. And we started back in May just coming up with ideas and shooting around uh, what are fun combinations, you know, and, and the end result is we finished with hot dogs made from carrots and we made bacon jam, put on chicken tenders and made a sandwich out of it. And we, of course, uh, we also work with some of our partners like Hormel, uh, just come up with some really cool ideas uh, with their products as well. So. And how many different kind of, because I tried many hot dogs and I didn't realize you could put all these toppings on hot dogs. Sure. How many are you debuting this year? Boy, I think we're over 10 different styles of hot dogs between the footlongs, the carrot hot dogs, and of course, uh, just your normal uh, Hormel hot dog. Uh, certainly, just just some fun, and of course, if you just want to get a hot dog, we have, we've got that as well. And ketchup and mustard will be in the concourse for you to put as much on as you like. And then tell us a little bit, too, about the desserts. I know there's one that kind of revolves around uh, the head coach, football coach. We just looked for some different ways to um, incorporate some of the nomenclature that, that Coach Fleck has put on the program in the last couple of years. And so, so one, we kind of laughed. We were all eating cupcakes from a local bakery that we were going to utilize. And one of I think one of my staff was a little bit more hyper than the other ones. So we, uh, of course, hyper is about your response to life. And uh our response with your cupcake is to feed your kids sugar and send them home with you. And uh, what's your favorite food? Boy, I really like the brat. Uh, I'm a really classic stadium food guy. Um, I don't think you'd ever beat a, a cold brat and a Coke. And certainly that, uh, that'll be here for you. Um, Peppers and onions are always great to put on top of a brat, so we're going to have that available at certain stands as well. And, you know, one of the things that I, I that I notice is, like, stadium food has is, is really changed. I mean, it's not your typical, you know, hamburger brat. I mean, these are, like, almost what you'd find on a restaurant menu. Sure. You know, I don't think there's any reason you can't come to a game and not enjoy something good to eat. Um, I know that, you know, the, the, the tailgating culture around the Gophers is a huge thing, just like, some other stops I've been on in my career, and we're certainly just looking to add add ambiance to the game and add food. And you know, for those that just want a hot dog and a coke, we've got that too. There you have it, Scott. The Gopher season is underway. Thanks again to my guest, Chris Vokraka, General Manager for Gopher Hospitality. Back to you. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F face drooping. A arm weakness. S speech difficulty. T time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face arm speech time. That's F face drooping. A arm weakness. S speech difficulty. T time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. For the second year in a row, Target Field, the home of the Minnesota Twins, will transform from baseball diamond to football gridiron. Reporter J.W. Cox has more. Scott, from hits, runs, and errors to down, distance, and time, it's not just what's on the scoreboard that has to change for a baseball venue to open its doors to a football game. I spoke with Matt Hodson of the Minnesota Twins. He said despite the hard work required, organizers and staff at Target Field are thrilled to showcase the versatility of the park. When Target Field was built, the idea was always to to be a host for many different events, including big-time college football. And and we all saw the success of the uh, St. Thomas, St. John's game two years ago, and we're eager to get another good game in here and, uh, and to bring D1 football and to, and to have a program as storied as, uh, as the NDSU Bison here to host the game. And we could have asked for a better matchup, uh, NDSU Butler, and, and we're thrilled to play some football. How about for those on the outside you've heard from? What's been the feedback on the buildup and prep for the event? Talking to the folks at North Dakota State and their fan base, they they share our excitement level and, and maybe even a little bit higher. I mean, uh, the, the amount of enthusiasm coming from NDSU uh, current students, their alumni, they have a strong alumni base down here. Um, they're fired up. Fans in Fargo are, are thrilled to come down. People are looking forward to a real festive, fun atmosphere and then, uh, of course, a great football game. All right, break down for us. How does the field look when configured for football, and how do you really get a gridiron plopped right down in the middle of a baseball diamond? One end zone right in front of the left field wall. The other end zone will be in front of the Twins' dugout. So go basically first baseline uh, out to left field, take away the pitcher's mound, put turf in that area, remove the dirt and put turf in. And, of course, the NDSU logo at midfield. The the bulk of our seats are in the football configuration uh, are going to be uh, down the third baseline, left field line, and up behind home plate. And then, of course, around down the, the first baseline behind that end zone. So a lot of folks will still be able to look out and see that beautiful Minneapolis skyline, especially, you know, the second half as, uh, as we get closer to evening time. We will still have some folks up in the, the home run porch out in right field that uh, will look across and, and look down on the, on the field that way. It's a fun process to watch it, though, all unfold, to go from Sunday afternoon having a baseball game here to uh, uh, really within five days and be ready to, to host D1 football. What about atmosphere? Can you give us a feel for what the difference is between a football atmosphere at Target Field and what a baseball atmosphere would be that some people would be used to? There is a heightened level of intensity in some areas. You know, we, we do have a student section marked out. We saw that uh, in the St. Thomas, St. John's game. Uh, we'll see the same thing uh, here for North Dakota State. Their student section sold out real quick. So that obviously adds another uh, a different level than you'll have at a baseball game. 
Uh, North Dakota uh, marching band will be here as well. Uh, some of the pomp and circumstance that goes into a college football game um, is certainly unique and, and something we don't feel here during, during a baseball season. Uh, we're really excited to have that as part of the ballpark. Uh, also, the, I, I think that some of our social gathering areas we have in the ballpark, from, from Bat and Barrel to the Gate 30, new Gate 34 experience, uh, to places like Barrio and stuff, really add to that kind of festive, kind of party-type atmosphere that you see at a college football game. Uh, we have kind of that built-in culture here in the ballpark, and uh, I think it lends itself well to what you see, see at college football. Obviously, the first in this scenario this weekend is it's the first Division One football game hosted a big D3 rivalry, St. John's-St. Thomas, last year. What was that environment like? Uh, it was electric here. As you mentioned, that's, that's about as big of a rivalry as you can get. We shattered the all-time D3 attendance record for that game at 37,000-plus. Uh, we expect to be in the ballpark that attendance, by the way. It was an electric atmosphere. When you get two rivals playing in the uh, first ever football game in this venue, uh, you could have asked for anything better than, of course, it was a really good competitive football game on the field. Uh, it was electric from opening kickoff through, uh, through the final whistle. What were some of the lessons that, as planners, you were able to learn for execution of this game this year? There was a lot taken from everything that goes into uh, the logistics of uh, ingress and egress of fans to uh, the behind-the-scenes setup of the locker room setup, the different items that are needed for football as opposed to, to baseball, the, the field transformation. I think everything is easier the second time around once you kind of have a blueprint to, to follow. Uh, the first time we, we went at this, it was obviously our, the first time any of us had done that. So uh, while we were able to pull it off and have a tremendous success, the second time around is always a little bit easier. You know what works, what doesn't, and it's, it's smooth sailing this time around. Let's turn it back to baseball now, Matt. The regular tenants of Target Field are in the middle of a very special season when the ballpark is needed to go back for baseball. How well does the playing surface and the facility as a whole recover to its quote-unquote natural form? It will be tip-top shape, ready to go. We we would not have this event if we weren't 110% certain that when first pitch rolls around on September 6th, uh, Twins and Cleveland Indians, that it wasn't a pristine Major League Baseball field. Uh, if we had any doubt, we simply want to host a football game, uh, and, and we don't. It'll be ready to roll and, and ready for stretch drive baseball, and, uh, beginning with a huge series against our AL Central rivals on uh, that first full weekend of September there. Can you talk to the doubters that might be out there in the crowd who might not see the benefit of using the home of the Twins for a football game? What's the pitch to them? When you have an event beyond this, the 81, and hopefully this year, more baseball games that we it's good for the surrounding community. It brings in uh, economic well-being to the, the, all the folks who will be coming from Fargo and other areas and staying here over the weekend. And it brings a vibrancy to the ballpark on a, and surrounding areas on, on another day that otherwise wouldn't be there. And it's just a way to showcase what Minneapolis has to offer as an as a epicenter of sports and entertainment. It's why Target Field was built. As for more football downtown in the future, Hanson says they're hopeful they can make the new tradition stick. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.